Hey, welcome to Barreled in Truth Podcast. My name is Devin. And my name is Satorio. And here on Barreled in Truth, we're going to be talking about all things in life with a biblical reformed perspective while we drink a glass of bourbon and smoke a cigar. Hey, everybody. Looks welcome to the Barreled in Truth Podcast. You might notice something different. Devin is not with us tonight, folks. Um, he is a little under the weather, uh, so y'all be praying for him. Um, but my name is Shatorio and I'm here with Chris and we got What's Michael, up? Michael subbing in and special guest, got over a here. special guest, Michael's dad. He won't, he didn't want to get on the mic, Rusty. but Mr. Rusty's in the building y'all, Michael's dad. So, um, he's hanging out with us, enjoying a cigar and stuff like that. So we're going to, um, go ahead and get started. Michael, what are you sipping on and what is your cigar of choice today, sir? Uh, I am sipping on that Elijah Craig uh, single barrel provided by uh, Mr. Chris Hall. It's 131. It is perfection. And I am smoking a gatekeeper. Mm. Okay. Bishop, what you smoking on? Um, Tabernacle Goliath Perfecto. Drinking the Elijah Craig private barrel barrel proof. Um, Thanks to the old Baptist minister Elijah Craig for um, being the first initiator of bourbon in this country. So thank you, Baptist minister, Elijah Craig. I love that you put emphasis on that. And I hope the people that need to hear that, hear that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I am enjoying a EP Corello. And this is the, is this the, that's the La Historia. I think. La Historia. Yep. So this stick is really good. I've been looking forward to smoking it. And I am also sipping on this Elijah Craig, private barrel thank you to the Goat. baptist bishop <laughs> the yeah. baptist bishop at one time in my life right rusty that laid the foundation for bourbon yes the person that laid the groundwork for bourbon was a baptist preacher so guys um so on today's episode we're going to be covering the topic of spiritual gifts um spiritual gifts is a topic that can be touchy. Um, it shouldn't be, though. It should be a topic that we rejoice over. Um, a lot of our brothers and sisters in the faith within our little reform circle here have some you know, disagreements as far as if the gifts ceased or if they are still in play. Um, and I think that to be fair, um, there is some misrepresentation on both sides of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. And so today we're going to talk about it. Chris, do you want to kick us off? Well, I'll speak to that real quick as a reform guy. Yeah. Um, one of the things, one of, my, uh, one of the Greek classes I took in seminary for our final exam, he just handed us out a random verse or a short passage that we had to translate and, and write a paper on. And... Uh, I had the good fortune of um, translating 1 Corinthians 13, 8. And um, <clears throat> so I'm going to read that because I think a lot of uh, our brothers in that camp um, are cessationists and they feel like there are certain gifts that died with the apostles. Right. And my pushback on that is the Holy Spirit didn't die with the apostles. Right. I'm never going to be the guy that tries to dictate the working of the Holy Spirit and limit that work to a specific time and place. Right. I do understand that there were abuse of yeah. gifts and Paul dealt with that in the Corinthian church. Yeah. MacArthur wrote a book called charismatic chaos. It's about a 400 page paperback book. And, and I, I read that when I was in seminary and MacArthur is, one of those cessationist reform guys, unless he's changed since he wrote that book. Still is. He's, he spent seven years studying the charismatic movement, and uh, he, he made a good case at least for the abuse of those gifts yeah. and, and, and uh, the danger of the abuse of those gifts. So applause to him for that, for sure. But the abuse of the gift doesn't erase the gift itself. Yes. Right. Yes, I so agree. I think that it is. And, and they're, they're, those guys, you know, they look at first Corinthians 13, eight. And in my research and my 
expounding on that verse from the Greek and stuff like that, this was eschatological in nature. In my opinion, the way that I the way that I read that and view it. Okay. But so obviously, Paul is talking about in chapter twelve, which we're going to get to spiritual gifts, the use of spiritual gifts in the church. Uh, he talks about the diversity in the body of Christ as he ends that chapter in chapter 12. And then he rolls into the greatest gift of all, because one thing that the Corinthians were lacking and the exercising of their gifts was love for one another. Yes. And which we're going to hammer it out, but their love gifts. It's in the name. Spiritual gifts at yep. the root. It, it's, it's love. And so Paul is trying to get the the Corinthians to understand their abuse of the gift is is rooted in a love for self and not a love for God and a love for the body, which yeah. is why the gift exists. Yeah. Okay. So we get into that passage in, cha in chapter 13, verse four, where he says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Now, he prefaced that by talking about, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm just a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. The Corinthians were obsessed with wisdom. They came from a very pagan background. They knew what this ecstatic speech was something that they practiced in their pagan religions, right? And so there was a lot of assimilation there. And in the pagan ritual, it was all about personal experience and exaltation. Right. So they were bringing that into the body. They were parading their gifts. They were putting emphasis on certain gifts over other gifts. So Paul is telling them, if I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but, not, but, but have not love, I'm just a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and, not, and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. And so then he expounds on what love is. And in verse 8, he says, love never ends. Okay, so these gifts and the use of these gifts will end eventually. In the end, at the return of Christ, in the resurrection. Yeah. When our faith becomes sight. <laughs> right. Okay. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. Let me pause there. I th the primary reason Paul pointed those three gifts out were was because those were the primary gifts that the Corinthians were parading. And we're going to get into They were parading yeah, we'll those that. gifts. They were ranking those gifts. Yeah. And they were they they were obsessed with, if you remember how Paul started this letter, he talked a lot about wisdom. Yeah. Because they were obsessed with wisdom, knowledge. They were functioning Gnostics, so to speak. Yes. So, <clears throat> um, so those things, he's trying to get these Corinthians to understand these things that you're parading, these things that you love, these things that you're striving after, even even if you don't even have that gift, those are the ones that you desire and the ones you're pursuing as opposed to practicing the gift that God has given you. They will pass away, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. So that is eschatological talk. It yeah. just is. Yeah, I hear that in that passage. Yes. So for me to say, or for anyone to say, the gift of tongues will die with the apostles is to put more emphasis on the. And I realized that these were special men. But yeah, they were only they were special. Apostles. Some right. of them were apostles, right? Right. So to say that these gifts would die with the apostles is to put more emphasis on the apostles than on the spirit. Yeah. And I'm not going to handcuff the spirit to a specific time. 
Yeah, fair. You know, and I personally have wrestled with where I stand for a long time because I have brothers on both camps mm -hmm. that I love dearly, respect dearly, and quote a lot. Mm -hmm. And tonight, in fact, I will be quoting from some continuationists and some cessationists because mm -hmm. they both have some mm -hmm. really good things to say. And I want to be charitable and say that I don't want to misrepresent either on both sides that are faithful, trying their best to be faithful to the text. Um, I can have had conversations with cessationists. In fact, you know, um, my buddy Dwayne, mm -hmm. you know, Dwayne, he is a cessationist and he would never say that the Holy Spirit doesn't move. Mm -hmm. So I, I want to make sure that I'm charitable to say that people who are cessationists, mm -hmm. they are not saying that God doesn't move anymore. Um, um, the ones that are, you know, um, trying their best to be faithful to the text and mm -hmm. not go to the extreme. Right. And then I also want to say that those... But in all fairness, I think cessationism is an extreme. Personally. Okay. I do. But again... Because Paul goes on to talk about the practicing of those gifts in the Corinthian church right. who were not apostles in right. the very next chapter. That's fair. So, again, I think cessationism to say that tongues ceased and prophecy ceased. And if you're going to if you're going to include those two, you have to include knowledge, too, because he, he mentioned all three in this very same verse. And he didn't footnote any of that to say, no, 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 no. I'm just talking about tongues. And I'm just talking about prophecies with the apostles. Would we say healing doesn't exist anymore? The gift of healing? Because most cessationists would say that because of the abuse of those gifts and things like that. Right. I completely disagree. Why does James tell us to pray for that? Yeah, you know James what I mean? Five, yeah. <clears throat> Put hands on somebody and pray for that. Because the healing ultimately comes from God. We're just vessels. The prophecy comes from God. We're just vessels. Oh, yeah. The tongue comes from God. It's just vessels. Yeah. You know what I mean? So again, I think that that is somewhat of a an extreme view of the gift. Maybe the an ex maybe an extreme response to the nonsense. Okay, but yeah, but that's to me that's like the teetotalist view on alcohol. I get that. It's, it's an extreme knee jerk reaction because of the abuse. You do away with the gift. Yeah, I get that. Okay. And, you know, and I also want to be fair on the the continuationist side as well, mm -hmm. because, you know, especially growing up in my church background, mm -hmm. I know it's a bunch of mess <laughs> and a bunch of nonsense. You know, That's I, fair. That's I grew fair. up in the um, those Pentecostal Church of God in Christ circles, and I, mm -hmm. I've seen the foolishness. Of course. Um, I have. So. Paul hammers out tongues in the very next chapter. He does. And he doesn't dismiss it and say this was strictly for the apostles or the day of Pentecost or whatever. Right. This is accepted. This is an acceptable practice within the body if you actually have the gift. Yeah, I agree. And, and that's you went why. To Tabernacle, Brooklyn, you went to Brooklyn Tabernacle with us when we went to New York or I think I Terry did. That's right. Terry was there. One of the most beautiful expressions of worship and the gift of tongues that I've ever seen in my life. Orderly, beautiful, humble. Everyone that I know that has been to Brooklyn Tap says that. I, I'm so jealous I've never I, been to Brooklyn Tap. There have Tab. been very few moments in my life where I felt the presence of God like that. Very few. When I when we walked in there, we walked in an hour before the service started. These people were just praying with each other, weeping with each other, rejoicing with one another. And in the flow of the service, there was the exercise of the gift of tongues. It didn't make me feel uncomfortable. I was on staff at a Southern Baptist church, which was largely cessationist. Yeah. I was a student, you know, studying Greek, studying. I, I mean, I had my background, my Southern Baptist background. <clears throat> there was got no his hand up. <laughs> there was nothing about Rusty that that was ungodly. There was nothing about that that was disruptive. And there was nothing about me inside that said, this is unbiblical because the gift of tongues died with the apostles. Yeah. I'm just saying. You know, you know I'm just saying. You're going to drop something. Go ahead. Well, I have a question. This is me without any theological experience besides the Bible itself. In, in 14, 22. Therefore, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. Mm -hmm. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Mm -hmm. And so inside of a congregation, you're going to Will have... you repeat that? Because I don't know if the audio can catch. 
Can you hear that? He asked about okay. verse 22, right? In 14, thus tongues are for, uh, a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign right. not for unbelievers, but for believers. If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders are, or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you're out of your minds? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. So <clears throat> these gifts have purpose, right? And so what Paul is saying is that there is order, and if the Spirit is there, the Spirit is not the author of chaos, but the author of order. And if these gifts are being practiced in the correct way, because there's a lot of talk about, you know, a private prayer language and praying in tongues and all that stuff, which Paul talks about as well, um, and doesn't necessarily condemn. Okay. So, <clears throat> but these, these, you're going to have in a worship service, you're going to have outsiders coming in or non-believers coming in. And the gift of prophecy is going to be for the believer. The gift of tongue is going to be for the non-believer, uh, according to what he says there in verse 22. Uh, the, the tongues are for the believer, uh, not for the believer, but for the unbeliever. So, uh, again, how you kind of hash that out is, you know, obviously you see at Pentecost what happened. But if they all speak the same language, how does that gift speak to the non-believer? Well, usually there's going to be some sort of interpretation, you know, and the... And the um, and the unbeliever is going to see that. And the prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers, because prophecy is declaring a word of the Lord. And again, I think that you can see, you know, that doesn't necessarily limit the gift of prophecy. Jonah spoke a prophetic word to non-believers, and they repented. But I think in the order of worship service, especially in the Corinthian church, it was Thunderdome. It was just mass chaos, and it was a lot of parading and this, that, and the other. And you kind of jump in on that. But I think what Paul's kind of hammering out there is that there's, there's supposed to be order, and there's supposed to be, in a worship service, uh, specifics to these gifts. Now, remember, he's writing to the church, not his apostles, his apostolic brethren. So I think that when he said in chapter 13, verse 8, these things will pass away. That is eschatological in nature. It's not that they're going to pass away when I die. You know, I don't know that we ever have an account in Scripture where the Apostle Paul spoke in tongues to a non-believer. You know, um, but I think that if he if he would have made that very clear, considering what he was dealing with in the Corinthian church, there was such an emphasis placed on these gifts prophecy tongues knowledge there was such an emphasis on there if that if that was reserved for the apostles i feel like paul would have made mention of that and in, in all fairness and in my opinion yeah um i would follow that up with and i spent a lot of time in first corinthians chapter 12 verses 1 through 11 um in Andrew Wilson's commentary, he said, So as wonderful as spiritual gifts are, and Paul is passionately committed to them, as these chapters will show, the most powerful thing the Spirit can do in a person is to bring them to acknowledge the kingship of Christ. Mm -hmm. So... <clears throat> And he does that at regeneration as well as yes. sanctification. Right? And I believe that, you know, these get the the spiritual gifts ought to ultimately bring us nearer to Christ. Of course. And make us exalt Christ. Mm -hmm. And there is order. God is a God of order. We see that in creation. We see that in the order of salvation. We see that all throughout the mm -hmm. whole canon of scripture. Mm -hmm. that he's a God of order. The order of family. The order right. of the church, there's, you know, there's so, always order and, and purpose and design. For sure. Um, and so I want to read a little bit of this passage, mm -hmm. um, if y'all if are cool with that. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 11, Paul says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray 
to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one is speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. I love that. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the spirit, the utterance of wisdom. And to another, the utterance of knowledge, according to the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. Mm -hmm. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Mm-hmm. So um, that's a lot. That's a lot, right? <laughs> that's a lot. And something that struck me that I never noticed before, as I dive deep into this passage and I started reading the commentaries and doing some exegetical work. Do you notice the Trinitarian language there? Mm-hmm. Yep. I never noticed that. Yeah. Like in all my time in church, you know, talking about spiritual gifts, I never noticed mm-hmm. that Trinitarian language that Paul uses yeah. while talking about the mm-hmm. gifts. I love that too, because he's careful to do that in Ephesians one as well, when he's talking about salvation and stuff like that. And so uh, it's, it's important for us to understand the Trinitarian God that loves us, made us in his image and saves us and sanctifies us. And we see that language throughout the scriptures, but I think that it's important to note that, you know, because people, we don't talk about the supernatural enough. There there is a mystical aspect of our faith (laughs) that is so diminished because we're so wrapped up and and just the practicalities of everything. We want Jesus to help us balance our checkbook and and clear up our calendars and this, that, and the other. We Yikes. don't we don't get into because again, we just reduce our salvation down to just a decision we made at Bible school yeah. or at concert or right. at the revival meeting or, or whatever. Camp, We're not understanding the supernatural nature of what just happened inside of your soul. Right. And this Holy Spirit that Scripture tells us made us alive together with Christ, regenerated us and gifted us with faith. Saving faith also gives us with the spiritual gift of faith, which he talks about there. He's gifting you for reason. The Holy Spirit empowers us to do things that we naturally are not inclined to do and or are and are unwilling to do. Yes. Like repentance. Yeah. And Christian service. Yeah, nobody wakes up feeling like I'm going to cook on verse six in a minute. (laughs) But but I appreciate you pointing that out because the Holy Spirit unifies the body, empowers the body to love, empowers us to serve by appropriating to each member the gift for the edification of the body and the glorification of Jesus, our Savior. Right. That's how we embody Jesus's presence in the world. And Paul expects the church, even the arrogant, divided body at Corinth, to gradually model Christian community. The church is the means by which Jesus Christ is uniquely present and distinctively expresses himself in the world. So, you know, spiritual gifts can be simply defined, and Grudem does a very good job of kind of simply defining spiritual gifts and systematic theology. Um, Spiritual gifts can be defined as any ability that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and is used in any ministry in the church. Yeah. Okay. So Paul is stressing the importance of spiritual gifts. The Corinthians had knowledge of the supernatural. They had knowledge of it even even from their pagan background. J.I. Packer kind of expounds on that a little bit. Um, but because if you Google spiritual gifts, you'll probably get 17 million hits. Yeah. If you just Googled the word spiritual gifts. Yes. So there's a lot, a lot. out there. But the charismata, there's three certainties that stand out that J.I. Packer points out. First, a spiritual gift is an ability in some way to express, celebrate, display, and so communicate Christ. 
We're told that the gifts rightly used build up Christians and churches, but only knowledge of God and Christ builds up. So, so each charisma gift must be an ability from Christ to show and to share Christ in an upbuilding way. The gift is not about us. And that's what Paul was stressing yes. to the Corinthian church. Yes. It ain't about that's so good. Um, that's so good. The second thing that, that, that Packer points out is that no Christian is giftless. Every Christian, if you are truly born again, God gifted you with a spiritual gift that, that charis, that pneuma charisma. Yeah. That pneuma charisma, the, the spiritual gift, pneuma meaning spirit and charis, uh, charisma, which is the root word for that is charis, which is grace, um, are expressions or manifestations or embodiments of the spirit and of grace. So he kind of plays that out a little, little bit. I want to pause you quickly because you said that everyone has a spiritual gift. Mm-hmm. I love that because in my in my study and doing some research on this topic, I saw something that um, John Piper said. He said that um, everyone has a spiritual gift. And if you want to, if you don't know what your spiritual gift is, start faithfully serving in the church and you'll find it. You'll find it. I thought that was amazing. I had a college that student one time when I was in student ministry at Locust Hill. A college student came up to me one time and I didn't mean to kind of respond in the way that I did. I loved her to death. I, I remember her name. I'm not going to say it now, but she says, Chris, she came in my office and she says, um, do you have a spiritual gift test? And I know that they're out there. They are. Right. I saw and them not, in my research. <laughs> and I'm not necessarily dismissing them. I think it's wild. <laughs> but but um, because I've done enough to, you know, maybe unsettle some people already. But um, I said, no, but I do have a Bible and I know how to pray. And there is a local church. So here's what you do. Facts. Read these passages on spiritual gifts, pray and just begin to serve and That's see what right. happens. That's right. Your gift will surface. If if God doesn't expressly state to you what your gift is, it will surface. I said, you probably already know what it is and just don't know that you know what it is. Yeah. And it won't be about you. Correct. Here's an interesting note about the modern Greek language. Okay. Um, the modern Greek word for charisma, which is the, the word for gift there and spiritual gift in 1 Corinthians the modern Greek word for charisma means birthday present. Yes, I saw that when I was studying. Okay. That's amazing. So, which maintains the important emphasis of a loved gift. So, when you love someone on their birthday, you give them a gift. Now, that gift is for the person to enjoy however they want. Generally speaking, on my birthday, I get a jug of protein, some cigars, and a steak dinner. Okay. Now, on your spiritual birthday, when God regenerates you spiritually and you are born again, He gives you a love gift. Right. Because of His love for you, but ultimately for His love for the church. That gift exists. Come on, Bishop. For the church. That's right. That gift doesn't exist for you. Yeah. And that was the thing that Paul just kept hammering over and over and over and over and over again to these these crazy, narcissistic, self-parading Corinthians. This isn't about you. Yeah. Stop pursuing gifts that aren't yours and exercise the gift that you have been giving, that you have been given for the glorification of Jesus and the edification of his body. You said it perfectly. Um, when I was studying, I saw something that Sinclair Ferguson said, one of my favorite theologians. He said, when we exercise the gifts which Christ has given us, we are really saying to our fellow Christians and others, see how much the Lord Jesus Christ loves you and cares for you. He has sent me to serve you in this way. Mm-hmm. He is using my hands and my feet my lips and ears to show his love. Mm -hmm. It is a tragic mistake. If we think that the message is see what a superb Christian I am. Mm -hmm. 
See the wonderful gifts I have. Gifts are for service, not self-advancement. I love that. Mm -hmm. This denoted mind says this. These categories of giftedness are not natural talents, skills, or abilities, mm -hmm. such as are possessed by believers and unbelievers alike. They are sovereignly mm -hmm. and supernaturally bestowed by the Holy Spirit on all believers, enabling them to spiritually edify each other effectively and thus honor the Lord. Exactly. Amazing. Notice that Paul didn't say there in verse 5, he said there are varieties of service. He didn't say there are options of service. Yeah. This isn't an option. Not at all. Not at all. We don't get to It's an expectation, pick. right? This is an expectation. There's an expectation for the Christian to serve the body of Christ for its edification, for its common good. He also said there are varieties of gifts, meaning that God has gifted many different people in many different ways. So a lot of Christians in America, because of our schedules, our lifestyles and diets, we're always tired, right? When you see someone and you exchange pleasantries with them on Sunday morning, I want you to count how many people begin that conversation with, I'm tired. Ooh. Wow, that is convicting. To say that Ouch. you're too tired, um, because I got it somewhere in my notes, but he says that there are varieties of service in verse 5, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. That Greek word for variety, for activities, is where we get the English word energy from. Oh, man. Okay, so I got that in my notes somewhere because I want to hash that out a little bit. Um, oh, that's so good. Man, I love this. This is... So, um, okay, so yeah. Energenata is the Greek word for activities, which is obviously where we get the word energy from. So to say that you're too tired to faithfully serve in the church is to be dismissive of the presence and the power of God in your life. Yeah. Do you know that Christians, I mean, Americans, spend $9 billion a year on energy drinks? Wow. Now, I'm going to readily admit I'm one of those people. I'm responsible for a good portion of that. I was slamming bangs like there was no tomorrow when I was working and bouncing and starting Karis Church. That doesn't even take into account all of the Americans who are addicted to coffee because of the caffeine. I who refuse to start their day to that. without it, right? I will not start my day without coffee. <laughs> right? You read my mail. But how I many people are going to make day. sure they start their day? With coffee or an energy drink, but not with a conversation with the Holy Spirit on how they're supposed to be empowered to serve that day. We, that brother came to step on every. I'm gonna crack toe. open that bang. I'm gonna make sure I brew that coffee. I'm gonna start sipping, and I'm gonna go on about my day. And I'm gonna completely disregard the power of Almighty God inside of me with the presence of His Holy Spirit, as Scripture says, He gifted to me. Well, you know. You know, saying that, it makes me think about the fact that, you know, so many Christians we hear saying, you know, I'm tired, I'm tired. Mm -hmm. And that and that is not to take away the legitimacy of that you may genuinely be yeah, tired. Yeah, you might be tired. But how often do we pray, Lord, give me energy? Right. Yeah, give me strength, give me energy. That's where that where that's what yeah, that like, word means. You know, just sitting here, that made me think, you know. That's what that word means. Energy. How how often do we pray? Lord, give me energy from heaven mm -hmm. to worship, to serve, to do all the things mm -hmm. that is needed to glorify you. Mm -hmm. As often as we say we're tired, mm -hmm. we should be praying for energy as much as we say we are tired. And that's not to say that we shouldn't. Again, a lot of people are tired because they're stressed out. They don't take care of themselves. They don't exercise. They don't eat right. They don't drink enough water. They're too busy drinking bangs and Red Bulls yeah, and coffee tea, and sweet tea and Gotta stuff like it. that. They're not hydrated properly. They're, so although we do have the supernatural power 
of the Holy Spirit dwelling within us bodily that raised Jesus from the dead, that con that conceived Jesus in the womb of Mary, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't take care of ourselves mentally and physically. That's right. You might be surprised at how much more energy you have just on a practical level by making some slight changes in your lifestyle. Mm. You know, imagine, imagine. Baby, margin. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, Sorry, no, you're good. I mean, just imagine, you know, having the mindset of I want to change my diet or I want to take better care of my body so that I can have more energy to serve the body of Christ. Right. Wow. To say that I'm too tired to serve is to ultimately say that the Holy Spirit is inactive or not present Ooh. in our lives. Ironically um, enough. Out of all the days of the week, it's always Sunday that we're most tired. And I get that, dude. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I get that more than anybody. Right. That's why I crashed for about three hours and put phone on do not disturb, you know, after after lunch because I'm just, I'm out. Yeah. You know, um, Samuel Chadwick, who was a Wesleyan minister in England in the early 1900s, said this. Every part of my being wakened up. I did not get a new faculty of speech, but I got a new effectiveness of speech. I did not get a new dictionary, but a new Bible. Immediately, I was a new creature with the same basis of natural qualities, energized, quickened, reinforced into a bigger vitality and effectiveness that nobody would ever have dreamed possible. That is what happens to those upon whom the spirit comes. I still have the same natural talents I had before I was born again. Yes. You're I didn't all of a sudden now. know how to sing like an angel. Right. My voice still sucks. I still can't sing a lick. That is a natural talent that the Holy Spirit did not give me when the Holy Spirit saved me and gifted me. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of times in the Christian, you know, in Christianity, we... I think a lot of times we um, we sum up spiritual gifts to simply someone who can preach or right. teach. You know, mm -hmm. we yeah, we forget about all the other gifts that yeah, Paul explains so there. And again, he talks about how after that passage, you know, in the second half of chapter twelve, he's talking about the diversity in the body. Like yeah. the pastor can't look at a at another part of the body and say, we have no need of you. Yeah, can't. Just because the Holy Spirit has gifted him with wisdom and knowledge or a prophetic word, but a prophetic word isn't necessarily limited to that pastor. Yeah. Knowledge isn't necessarily, wisdom is, is certainly not just reserved for ordained ministers and the pastor. I've had a lot of people speak truth and wisdom into my life who were not ordained ministers. They were just spirit-filled people right. exercising yeah. their spiritual gift. Yeah. yeah. And so... That's so good. But man. but we do. We, we have this mentality that we we only see the certain gifts and we get so caught up and, and wrapped up and, and watching those who are at the forefront, if I can use that word, of the church using their gifts or what they would consider natural talents like musical ability and things like that or communication or whatever. I've always been a communicator. If I wasn't, if, if God wasn't gracious to save me, I would still have the natural ability to communicate. But now I have the supernatural ability to communicate the depths of the truth of the word of God in a way that, that is filled with spirit-filled wisdom and knowledge, not Chris Hall Amen. wisdom and knowledge. Amen. So I don't get credit for that. The Holy Spirit gets credit for that. That's so good. You know, and so I think you're right. I think that we, we sometimes we so, we again we just we minimize the the supernatural in our lives. Yeah. And I think that you know, I think of a question that. Ought to beg to be asked, you know, for every believer is how are you using the gifts God has given you to edify the body of Christ? Correct. Because a lot of times, 
Which, first of all, means you have to be active in the body of Christ. You have to be active. And I think, you know, we see this, all four of us that are here, we've all been involved in ministry and in church for years, all of us. Um, And I think we all can agree that so often in times, people will leave the local body that they are, you know, covenant members at because they're not able to serve in a certain way rather than saying, okay, how can I utilize where I feel God has gifted me Correct. with where I'm at mm-hmm. rather than to backdoor it. Right. You know, backdoor right. your way out. Backdoor you know, your way out. Leave mm-hmm. silently. You kind of sneak out very cowardly in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really feel like that is a, that is a cowardly action to, backdoor your way out of the church that you are a Mm -hmm. member at correct without having a conversation with someone Mm -hmm. um and you know so i want to encourage those that listen and ask yourself if you don't feel like you are using the gifts that god has graciously gifted you with at your church i want to challenge you to have that conversation with your pastors with your leaders with your Mm -hmm. elders at your church and come up with a game plan mm-hmm. rather than go look for it somewhere else. Why don't you stay faithful with where you're at mm-hmm. and come up with a game plan of Correct. how you can use that gift? Hey, pastor man, elder man, listen, you know, I feel like, you know, I'm not being used. Here's the gifts I, I you know, I feel like I have. And here's some ideas. Come up with an idea. Right. Like, what ideas have you brought to the table mm-hmm. to use your gifts that God has given you Correct. before you just tap out and leave? We talked about this on Monday. Uh, you know, come to the table with a solution, whether it's good or bad. It mm-hmm. opens the door for conversation, for conversation and for Correct. people to go, maybe we can't do this, but we can start doing this. And right. we, can do, we can start working towards you being able to use those gifts right. and to exercise those desires that God has given you. Right. Cause I can confidently say that knowing everything and seeing everything is never a spiritual gift of a pastor. Yes. <laughs> That's never you know, a spiritual yeah. gift. And you we know, don't know everything. We don't see everything. And one of the things my old uh, youth pastor used to say, Chris Jackson, um, he used to always say, man, the, the real heroes of the church, are those behind the scenes. Of course. Um, it's not the people up front, man. It's the people behind the scenes that no one knows that's willing to do the work of the church that nobody else is willing to do. Mm-hmm. Those are the heroes. Mm-hmm. It's the people that are willing to move some chairs. It's the people that are willing to send out those text messages and say, hey, haven't seen you in a while. We miss you. Love you. How can I bless you? You know, I, I just want to, I, I want to make sure that I shout out those that have these gifts that may not be broadcasted on the big stage mm-hmm. your gifts matter because you're the real hero yeah of the they church, matter man yeah the- they matter you know especially the spiritual gift of faith during tough times i think that we yes. saw that recently even at Karis, when <clears throat> we were faced with some uh, troubling truth about where we were financially there were a few people that expressed the spiritual gift of faith Sherry Turner, thank you. Thank you, Sherry. Mama Sherry. Mm-hmm. Jessica Hall, thank you. First Lady. Storio Smith, thank you. Devin Simpson, thank you. And I could go on. Yeah. But they expressed the spiritual gift of faith, which is knowing that God is in control, that God is good, God's will is going to get accomplished, and God will finish what he, what he set out to do. Yeah. It's so good, man. It's 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 resting in the promise of Philippians one six, you know, and, and that particular he instance. Again, a good word. He's faithful and just to bring it to completion. It. Yeah, he's gonna complete what he starts. He's not yeah. he's not flaky like we are. You know, Ooh, he's, he's not thank flaky. God that the Lord is not that His faithfulness doesn't look like ours, mm-hmm. because if His faithfulness looked like ours, mm-hmm. we'd look up and we'd not have a Lord to talk right. to and pray to. And Paul made made sure to mention in verse seven that these gifts were for the common good. You know, again, so he's emphasizing a fact that these gifts exist for the body, and when everyone is exercising their gifts appropriately as God has support, has appropriated them to the body, it is for the common good of the church. 
And so, again, he's trying to get the Corinthians to understand that because these gifts, they exist for everyone but you. It's a different kind of birthday gift, right? Uh, and then he right. gives a list of, he, he lists nine specific gifts in this particular passage yes. that we could spend some time on if you want. But there's a few other passages of note if you're listening and you want to know, well, where are spiritual gifts mentioned in the New Testament? We got receipts. <laughs> we, Receipt so, ministry. Um, Ephesians 4.11 talks about certain spiritual gifts. 1 Peter chapter 4, 7 through 11. Romans 12, 6 through 8. And again, in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, outside of this passage that Paul talks about specific examples. And I, I, don't, I don't think that any commentator would say that these lists are entirely exhaustive. You know, there are maybe other gifts that were not mentioned, but these are enough. Yeah. These the are enough. Being quick to forgive. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Wow. So, um, so yeah, I don't know if you want to spend time on those gifts that he blamed, that he we mentions can. specifically here. We can. We got time. Or, got time. <clears throat> or what? So, yeah, go ahead. The, what, the, one of the first things he mentions is wisdom, right? Yeah. And so he mentions those, uh, gifts that that the corinthians were passionate about that they uh were wrapped up in obviously for for the self-aggrandizement of their own wisdom masquerading that as a spiritual gift Mm -hmm. you know or pursuing that gift because they had been indoctrinated to believe that wisdom knowledge prophecy and tongues were the primary gifts if you don't have those gifts you're just not super saved yeah, super saved. Right. Yeah. Um, but wisdom, essentially, they had an unhealthy obsession with wisdom, the Corinthians did. A lot like their Greek contemporaries, they loved wisdom and knowledge that was rooted in human philosophy. And if it's rooted in human philosophy, who's it ultimately going to glorify? Right. Yeah. It's going to glorify That's the person. Right. So God has continually called wisdom wise in scripture. Jesus is the personification of godly wisdom. Um, And that's a gift that he calls us to ask for. Yes. James, we see in James Mm -hmm. chapter one, you know, he says, you know, if anyone, you know, seeks to have wisdom, pray Mm -hmm. for it and I'll give it. I'm faithful Mm -hmm. to give it to you. I'm faithful to give it to you. Everyone needs wisdom. Now, there's a lot of foolish Christians running around who aren't seeking any sort of godly wisdom and they wonder why they keep making dumb mistakes. Yeah. They're not reading their Bibles. They're not praying. They're not asking God for his wisdom in these certain situations. They're asking everybody else for their wisdom or seeking the world's wisdom and how to handle certain situations. Heavy on that. But J.I. Packer explains wisdom as the power to see and the inclination to choose the best and highest goal together with the surest means of attaining it. Wisdom is the practical side of moral goodness. Thus, it is found in its fullness only in God, because only God is truly wise. And we see that ultimately played out in the written word and the living word. Uh, Job said in Job 12, 13, his wisdom is profound and his power is vast. Um, we said that in 9.4, and it goes on to say in 12.13, To God belong wisdom and power. Wisdom without power would be pathetic and broken. Power without wisdom would be, a f- would be frightening and reckless. But in God, boundless wisdom and endless power are united, and this makes him utterly worthy of our fullest trust. Um, Packer goes on to explain a little bit about wisdom, and then we'll be done. Um When he made us, his purpose was that we should love and honor him, praising him for the wonderfully ordered complexity and variety of his world. We got to remember it's his world, not our world. Come on. It's his world. We're living in it. Come on. And though we have fallen, God has not abandoned his first purpose. Still, he plans that a great host of humankind should come to love and honor him. His ultimate objective is to bring them to a state in which they please him entirely and praise him adequately. 
a state in which he is all in all to them, and he and they rejoice continually in the knowledge of each other's love. People rejoicing in the saving love of God set upon them from all eternity, and God rejoicing in the responsive love of people drawn out of them by grace through the gospel. This will be God's glory. So the spiritual gift of wisdom would be speaking truth into the life of one that is in connection with the end for which God is working, namely his glory and redemption. Wisdom is not leaning on our own understanding. It's understanding God's purpose and speaking truth into a person's life connected to God's ultimate purpose and his glory. Amen. Wow, that's really good, Chris. I think that what better way to end a episode on spiritual gifts than to end it with the Apostle Paul's word in Ephesians chapter two. Mm -hmm. Come on. Right. Um, Because if there's one gift that every Christian has, is this gift that Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter two. And I'm going to read this passage here. Paul says in Ephesians chapter two, starting at verse eight, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not as, not as a result of works so that no one, may, no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which, he, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Um, and, I, and I felt like that, that's a good episode uh, passage to end the episode on because we all have that free gift of grace. We all have that free gift of the grace of God. Um, and we stand on that. Ten toes down. That free grace. Um, and these, every spiritual gift that you have flows from You know, that origin of the love of God that he bestowed upon us and saving us, which was a gift Mm -hmm. that no one may boast. Right. Yeah. Salvation is a gift. Your gifts are obviously gifts. And all of that ultimately is to bring glory to God and edification to the church that Jesus died for. That's right. And in the words of our dear brother, Devin who isn't here tonight. We love you, Devin. We're praying for you. Keep smoking cigars. Keep enjoying that bourbon. And keep reading your Bible. Peace.